Welcome to Boardwalk Sports Talk, the podcast by the Jersey sports fan for the Jersey sports fan. Because in New Jersey, we know you don't like us. And guess what? We don't like you either. Well, hello there. And welcome to episode 21 of Boardwalk Sports Talk. I'm Brian Kinkowski, along with my good friend and colleague, Carl Freemeyer. It's a great day to be Jersey. Carl, what's going on? So I had I had I had this great idea um, today that we were gonna watch the end of the Devils Rangers game and record the show, thinking that like the Devils would have some pride or you know some level of compete in them to want to play hockey. But I was very wrong. Devils are currently losing four nothing. I thought it was five nothing. I don't know if they called the goal back. Did they call that goal back, Carl? Yeah, you guys are just laying down. And yes, they did. Yeah, you guys are just totally mailing it in, which I love. To see the Devils with no fight against a rival like us, phenomenal to see. Can't can't say I don't love it. Yes. It's actually episode 22. Not, I think I said 21. Um, yeah, I mean, why did they call that goal back? I thought, I thought um, was it offside? Yeah, it was offside. They called that back. What? <clears throat> That's actually great uh, because I wanted to talk. We wanted to get into some uh, uh, instant replay stuff this week that's happened over the last week or so. Some some pretty big things that happen in sports. But uh, yeah, I just I, I that who was the kid? The kid that scored that that was his first NHL goal, correct? Yep. Can you imagine scoring your first NHL goal and having it called back on an offside review? Horrendous. It's yeah, and you, made it, and you made it happen. I mean, on a, you know, you made the whole play happen, and yeah, now you get it called back. What can you do? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't know how offside he was, but I, I, here's how I stand on NHL offsides at this point. I, I think this is how the rules should go. We may have discussed this before, but I'm going to say it again because I'm just so sick and tired. And again, this one happened. This is actually helping my team out. Uh, I think it should be 5 nothing Rangers. I think that if the coach in real time – the, the coach should have a time, a real-time buzzer or some way to stop play in real time if they want to review it. If they think a play was offsides, they have to stop. They have to call in real time, stop play, and then if they're wrong, it's a two-minute penalty for delay a game. Just like – so, it, you know, now you can challenge so it's it. Like, it's like the challenge flag in football. You have to throw it or – Before – right, before the next play. Right. Yeah. Right. And in hockey, there is no next play. So, it's kind of – I, I just – I'm – I don't – I don't know. I'm just tired of these these plays where this one wasn't a great example of it because it was pretty immediate, the review. But, like, there'll be times where, like, a play happened and, like, you know, a minute goes by and then they review it after the fact or, like, the, you know. Yeah, we talked like, about that. That's, like, the minute that didn't happen, too, because then you go back and you reset the clock to when right. the play occurred. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. So, yeah, I can't stand that. Um, I mean, the Devils absolutely stink. They traded away. I'm actually pretty happy with all the moves they made at the deadline. They got rid of two terrible defensemen in Vatnin and Kulikov. Absolute trash. And then they, they sent Paul Mary and Zajac to the Islanders, both of whom are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. So they can they they got something basically, you know, when they, they could have those guys could have walked for nothing at the end of the year. So I was actually pretty okay with those moves. I, I kind of hope Paul Mary resigns um, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the year with us, but I, I'm not holding my breath. Um, but what's going on in Rangerville there, Carl? Well, the Rangers look reinvigorated. I mean, it helps to be playing the devils, right? 
Uh, yeah. yeah, we're basically the favors twice, at this point. Twice this week. Um, so, yeah, a lot to like about about what the Rangers are doing now with the schedule. And, I mean, it's a late-season push that they're making. We didn't make any any splashes at the deadline because the GM basically explained that there wasn't a lot of value, mostly just a, it was a rental market, this trade deadline. And that's definitely right. how most of those trades played out. So, I mean, the Rangers are building something, and you're starting to see the fruit of it. So why would you – why would you try and expedite the plan? We've been on this, like we're, we're in year three now of the plan and, uh, and things are looking pretty strong. You know, we're getting, we're getting stronger and stronger um, every, every season. And then we get stronger and stronger this year as the season progressed. So it looks yeah. like, it seems like they're, they're buying into Quinn. Sabanajad has refound his, his game. Kreider's tailed off a little bit. Um, as the season's gone on, but Zabanajet's been on an absolute tear. Panarin's obviously a beast. So I mean, hey, we could we could we we could sneak into the playoffs this season. It could, yeah. it could happen. Uh, yeah. But worst yeah. case, you're going into next season. You have a pretty. You got to like where you got where you're heading. You got to like the momentum you're taking into next year. Right, I agree, and that's what's so frustrating to me as a Devils fan is I just don't see it. I don't see the bit like we've been drafting high the last like three four years. I and like. We're going to be drafting very high again. Like they're these, God, it's so frustrating. They're just not good. They're just not good. They're not getting better. They need some. They need some veterans that like can help. Like, oh God, like Ty Smith, our best defenseman. He he's he has he's had a pretty nice year. I would love to get a veteran defenseman in there to help, like show you know to guide him and show him like you know these you know that that would be a top defensive pairing. Ty Smith with like a good veteran player. But we don't have a top pairing. We have a rookie and like just absolute trash. Our defense is terrible. Uh, I just yeah, it's I I don't see the growth. Like Jack Hughes in the beginning of the year, everyone was like, oh my god, myself included. I was like, oh my god, he looks amazing. He's taking the next step. He's been non-existent. I feel like lately, he looks like he's making rookie mistakes still. Like it, it, everyone's just and Nico Heischer has been out the whole year. Now he's I, the devils look worse with Nico Heischer playing than when he's not playing. And he looks like terrible too. So I don't know. I don't it's know interesting though. Jack Hughes, despite, you know, not necessarily, you know, keeping pace with his early season performance, he's still fourth on your team in points. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, just, I guess I just had a really high hopes for him early in the season, the way he was playing. And now it's like, he's just not, He's not keeping up with that. And not only is he not really producing on that level, he's also been just a liability, like making terrible turnovers at his own blue line or at like on the power play. He's like trying to keep the puck in the zone instead of getting it in deep. He tries to dance on the blue line and then he loses it. And then it's, you know, two on one going the other way for a goal. It happens all the time. Just making bonehead mistakes. Like, I don't know. This team, I, part of me is like where we're so far away from anything still. And then the other part of me is like, ah, the season's cut. Like you can't put too much stock into these games. Like once they got rid of like those guys at the end of the year or at the trade deadline, they kind of sent the message that this, you know, that we're not going for it this year. So it's almost like better to like lose and get the higher draft pick. And like, there are a lot of good pieces in play. Like we have a goalie in Blackwood. We have Ty Smith, who's I think going to be a stud defenseman, you know, Hughes, he sure like hopefully all of them, you know, get better and continue to grow. And, They'll have a good draft pick and they'll they'll build on it next year. But yeah, the Rangers just seem to be in such a better place. The Bruins are beating the Islanders right now, though. I hate to burst your bubble, so I know that's who. Yeah, so we got that's who we got to supplant to make it. Yeah. I mean, I agree. There, there, there's nothing that I see on the Devils that 
excites me or scares me for the for now or the future. But I look, I do look at the Rangers to to bring it back to the Rangers um, team. I mean, this is a team with a lot of young talent, a lot of exciting building blocks for the future, and I'm, it is it's fun to see these guys mesh come together. I mean, it's look at this like uh, Lafreniere. He was born in two thousand and one. I mean, that's yeah, outrageous, disgusting. right? I mean, it's yeah. crazy. He's 19 years old. Kako, yep. he was born. Uh, when was he born? Probably around that time. Uh, where, where are you, sir? Yeah, he was born 2001 as well. He's also 19. Yep. We have a couple 19-year-olds on the team. Uchnevic yep. has looked really good. Um, you know, I get in the net. Oh, my God. These guys can't score. I'm watching the game, so I don't know if you are. The Devils have a power play. Ugh, I mean, I just, I just want to see. Here's the thing: like, this is game. This game doesn't mean anything for them, but like, it, you just want to see them like have a little compete and fire. Like, you're gonna get shut out in back to back games to your to your arch rival, like that, and like just show no fight whatsoever. Like, it's kind of concerning to me, like how much they're laying laying down right now. That's that's my biggest thing. I get it. I get. It. I would be pissed too. Yeah, I, I have bet the Rangers both nights. I'm going to continue to all, – all, I'm just going to make like, – I'm making blood money off my team stinking. I'm just betting against the Devils all the time now because they're just terrible. They're, they've given up. It's, it's, it's brutal. Because honestly, in the best rivalries, the best rivalries are kind of marked by the ability for a, a, a far inferior team to knock off a far superior team just with will willpower alone. I mean, think about yeah. like all those – those college football uh, games where a team goes in as a huge favorite and then the inferior squad pulls it out in a rivalry game. Pittsburgh versus West yeah. Virginia comes to mind. It's like the number one. Remember in 07 when West Virginia was going to the national championship with a win over Pittsburgh in the backyard brawl to end the season? And Pittsburgh right. has like a terrible squad. They were like three and, you know, three and eight or something. Beats West Virginia to keep them out. Right. Right. And that's what you want to see. Like I, as much as I like, you know, it's almost better for the devils to lose. Like I said, get a better draft pick at this point. They're not obviously not going to the playoffs, but like, I want them to win these games. I want them to make sure the Rangers don't make the playoffs. Like, and they're just, they're just not really competing. Like it's, they've had some chances, but you know, I don't want to say they're completely laying down, but like, they just, they seem disinterested. Like that's the, I think that's the best word to describe the effort I'm seeing. Well, it's easy, it's easy, you know, also in the COVID seasons to kind of just play out the string quietly. You know, there's not these, these arenas aren't packed. Um, the game, you know, the season itself has been shorter. It's just not, not what the players are normally used to. So I think they're okay. Just playing out the string at this point and calling it a season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this definitely. game, this game, Hits are seven, 17 to 9 in favor of the Rangers. Shots 30 to 16 in favor of the Rangers. Devils have won more faceoffs 24 to 21. So, I mean, yeah. it's actually been, it's been, you know, some of those stats, like the shots, I mean, that's not that crazy of a differential. I mean, 16 shots, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to score four goals on 16 shots, but you can score a goal or two on that if you yeah. get a good yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, circle in real quick and go into, because we were talking about replay at the top here. There's a couple of things that happened this week uh, that were both kind of local things too. Um, just talk about replay a little bit in sports. It's been an ongoing issue. And anytime these examples come up, I like to bring them up and just 
go on my little rants. Um, first one being the Mets. I know I texted you the Mets ending against the Marlins where it was bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, and the the pitcher for the Marlins um, throws – It's a, I think it was a full count or something. I think I'm pretty sure it was a full count. And he throws a, a pitch over the middle of the plate to the point where the umpire – was about to call strike three. Like, he actually started to motion for strike three. But as the ball crosses the plate, Matthew Conforto leans his armor-ridden elbow with, a, you know, with a, one of those elbow pads on it. Lean, it's a curveball, too. Leans it over the heart of the plate and takes the pitch off his elbow, off the pad. And and uh, the ump stops his, his strike three call and awards him first base. And, you know, those bases were loaded, so the run scores. It was bottom of the ninth game was over. And then Don Mattingly comes out to argue, and they go. It looks like they go back to review the play, um, and you can see in super slow mo. You know, I'm pretty sure the ball hit him, but I, I can't even. I couldn't even 100 percent say that for sure it did. The problem is that's what they called on the field, so that they they kind of had to stay with it. Um, but the and it wasn't reviewable whether or not he leaned into the strike zone, which was the most obvious thing of all time. The ump screwed up big time by not you know the first thing in your head when you're calling strike three and then and then you realize the guy gets hit by a pitch if you were about to call him out then he there's no way he can get hit by a pitch that's a strike so that should have been the red flag right there i think the umpire admitted he was wrong and all that but you know and and that stinks for the for the marlins if i if i was the marlins manager i would have lost my mind mattingly was was a saint compared to what I would have been. Um, and the Marlins players too. Like I would have just stayed on the field. Like I wouldn't have left. Like it, it was, it was brutal. And just the fact that like, it was so clear, everyone, even the Mets announcers were talking about how terrible of a call it was and how this isn't right. And it was just, you know, it, it was really sad. And it's sad that we're review that we can't review things that are like the whole point of replay is to get things right. And we're not getting them right. And then things that are clearly like, clearly um wrong aren't reviewable it's like what are we doing here like you're just gonna say you can't review something that's blatantly wrong and then we're, then we're gonna review stuff and still not get it right i just it's exhausting yeah that was i mean it was egregious in that he clearly put his arm in uh, over the plate to get hit he wanted to get hit right so i mean it was pretty clear right. that he did that intentionally so that's what struck me when I saw him get struck with the pitch, I was like, dang, that's so egregious, man. Like you, you, that, that's terrible. Um, yeah. I mean, the circumstances themselves, I mean, not as, not as devastating as they could have been. I mean, it was, it was either a full count or uh, like a, a two and two count, something like that, but there was only one out. So the Mets could have still won that game. Right, right. Early, like but... you're not handing the Mets the win. They, they could have they, they could have won it anyway on the next batter um, because it would have they, they that still would have only given them two outs. But yeah, I mean, having said that, it was it was a pre- I don't I I never have liked players that do stuff like Conforto does and like celebrate those things. Like play the game with some honor, you know. Like I I, I hate players that that skirt the rules or break the rules right, right. or like relish in the fact that they were able to get away with something. And like, like that's not, to me, that's not an honorable thing. Um, right. So 
you know, in basketball, for instance, I hate I hated when guys knew the ball went off them and then they would motion to the ref, like trying to convince the ref that the ball was still with them. No, right. like it's off you, dude. Right. And that 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 stuff, I dislike it very much. I almost right. I almost appreciate I almost appreciate more if you're gonna cheat, do it egregiously. Don't be like sly about it and think like you're cool. Like if you're gonna cheat, like do it like with some some pomp and circumstance and some bombast, like. You know, get the spitball going. Uh, put the freaking lube behind your ear. Like, do it, do it up big. Cork the bat. You know, but don't like do some stupid, some stupid stuff like Conforto did and like sully the game. That that to me is worse in a way. Right. So. Right. No, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, like it, it just yeah, it completely goes against the spirit of the rule. Like, if you if you really think if you really break it down, right? Like, I feel like the reason, and I could be wrong here. I'm not even sure, but. I th- the reason why you get awarded first base when you get hit by a pitch is because it really hurts. <laughs> and they're like, so that's why you have to take your base, right? This guy's wearing like a suit of armor on his elbow so he can lean into like lean into a pitch like that. Like it's just, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I have a problem with the armor or not, but I, I do have a problem with the armor if people are going to use it like that. To be like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna win the game for my team and I'm not, if I'm not even going to feel it. Yep. You know, it's ridiculous. So... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I was joking with Mets fans because Mets fans are usually like baseball purists too. It's the National League and the oh, the pitchers hit and everything. It's like if you guys had any respect for the game whatsoever, you'd give that win back. That's an absolute joke. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, all right, so then, then the other, then the other thing. This is uh, Phillies Braves. I sent you this as well. Your your boys uh, down in Atlanta. There, uh, the end of the game. There was a review at home plate. And I think they called him. Did they call him outer safe, safe on the on the? They called him safe. Then they reviewed it, and I don't know if you saw. There's an angle where you can literally see that he does not touch home plate at all. Like he literally like slides around. Um, I think was it the Phillies? The Phillies, Phillies or Braves? The Braves were in the field, right? The Phillies guy that yep. scored. Right. So if you go and so the so he should have been out at home plate, and that was the game winning run, right? That ended up winning the game. So he should have been out at the plate. And, you know, I can see in real time how it was it was really bang, bang. It was a close play. I could see how in real time the umpire called it safe because it looks like he may have gotten around the tag or whatever. But then you go back and look at the replay, and there's an angle where you literally see that his leg, like, skips over home plate. He never actually touches it. But they keep the ruling on the field. And I'm just like, what planet am I on here? Like, why are we reviewing stuff if we can't get it right? And then, again, like I said before, half the stuff – that's blatantly obvious isn't even reviewable reviewable like no one not one person disputed whether or not conforto stuck his arm into the strike zone to take that pitch but that's a judgment call that's not reviewable and then we have stuff that is reviewable that we can't even get right like i'm just yeah well that one i don't know if that was conclude because again we always talk about is there conclusive video evidence i mean i don't know if i you guys saw an angle i didn't but the angle i saw it wasn't conclusive on that home plate there was an angle that was like behind home plate. I don't know if you saw, maybe you just didn't see the angle. I saw a side. Like I saw a side angle, and I saw the problem with the over the top angle is you can't see the depth. No, no, that was the thing. So yeah, there was a low angle. I don't even know. It might have been a still shot, but I'm pretty sure it was a video. I'm pretty sure it was a video. Uh, it was a low angle shot that was like behind home plate where you can see him slide, and you basically see like his leg. Like like hits the catcher's like um sh- like shin pad I think maybe, 
and it like goes over home plate, but never actually, and then it lands on the other side of home plate, never actually touches it. So he never touched home plate, and he was definitely tagged. So how's I mean, unless they said that like the catcher blocked home plate and they awarded him the run that way, but I don't believe that's what happened. I think they just said he was safe. Yeah. So, I don't know. A bunch of crap in the world of replay. It's just yeah, replay stinks. I'm I'm over replay. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I get it. I get it because it is frustrating. It feels like every time replay is used, my team's getting screwed. That's what it feels like. Right. 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 And uh, yeah, it's like that. And it's also, like I said, just like I'm just, you know, I'm tired of games being slowed down and and goals and points and whatever being taken off the board. You know, when it wouldn't have met like the the offsides thing in the NHL drives me absolutely nuts. Like there's no reason to be taking goals off the board because somebody was a fraction of a second offside and no one even noticed it in real time. Um, you know, I, I, I get wanting to get things right, but at what expense? You know? Right. Makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. Um, so also the Yankees stink. That's that's the other thing. I'm just my teams all stink. The Devils stink. Yankees you've had stink. a rough, rough run, man. The last like two years, two, three years, every team you've followed has stunk. It's been really bad. Yeah, you're right. Like the Giants are terrible. Rutgers football has been. Ter- Thank God, Rutgers basketball had this little run because I was, and Rutgers like, football yeah, this I'd year was like, pretty good too. Yeah, right. I mean, pretty, well, pretty good. Three and six, like that shows how right, bad it's right. been. You know, we're like stoked about three yeah. and six. So, yeah. but they're. I mean, speaking of Rutgers football, I mean, they are. They just uh, what is what is his name? Gavin Wimsat, yep. quarterback, yeah, four star quarterback from Kentucky, committed to Rutgers, moving them up from number nine in the country to number six in terms of twenty twenty two recruiting classes. I mean, I, there, what Coach is doing right now is nothing short of miraculous. And this kid's really good. I mean, when I when I look at him, he he physically is is a spec. A spectacle like he really is the guy is super athletic has all the the dimensions that you you're looking for in a quarterback tall you know thick dense muscle tone fast has a crazy good arm i mean he he's every he could be anything from a randall cunningham through to a, a cam newton i mean that's that's the kind of quarterback he is and i love those types of quarterbacks i've always loved them some of my favorite quarterbacks ever are that mold dante culpepper and cam newton and you know, Fran Tarkenton, the guys that can move and throw. Michael Vick was fun too. Michael Vick wasn't really a proper yep. passer in the, like those guys were. But, um, I mean, this this kid could really be special. I, I'm excited to see him yep. him run the uh, the Gleason offense and see what Yeah, what right. Imagine with Gleason too. with, like, some real – yeah, imagine Gleason with some, like, real weapons. I mean, like, he was, like – it was Gleason had, like, a Ferrari year, chassis like, with, like, a Ford engine last season. This is going to be, like – we're going to be putting the Ferrari motor now in the Ferrari chassis. It's going to, it's yeah, going to be fun. Right. I just hope we can protect them. That's what I worry about. I worry about health. Yeah. Because we we get our quarterbacks crushed, absolutely crushed. Um, the last couple of years, I don't think any quarterback that we've started has lasted a full season. They've all they've all missed time. They've all gotten hurt, and it has something to do with the fact that our offensive line is basically a sieve. Yeah, we don't have Big Ten offensive linemen, and the last time we got a big-time college quarterback recruit or big high school recruit was Tom Savage, and we got him killed under Shiano. 
Um, he, I think he got sacked like 70 something times this freshman year. It was nuts. Ended up, you know, I think we ruined him. He had like happy feet. He was like mentally ruined after that. And then he ended up transferring out and was able to like, correct himself at like Arizona. But you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm super excited about the talent we're bringing in. Now it's just a matter of developing these kids. Exactly. We got to get them into the strength and conditioning program. Got to get them on the field spring games coming up that's going to be fun to see some of this talent on 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 the field definitely be going down for that if, if it's, yeah you go, you're going to go you're going to go absolutely if it's open to everybody which they haven't made an announcement on yet but I'll definitely yeah. go yeah if it's yeah. open absolutely what well, yeah when when is the spring game again you know uh, date? let's see I think it's in April, end of April, maybe. I'd like, I'd like to go. I'm bringing, I'm actually bringing Dylan um, this weekend to um, Rutgers lacrosse game. They're playing John Hopkins at uh, at good old SHI Stadium. So yeah, we're gonna bring him his first sporting event post COVID. It's gonna be like 500 people. Awesome. The, the the lacrosse team is really outside. good. It's May first. Yeah. So that's the same day as Kentucky Derby. So it's gonna be a fun, fun little day. Oh, you nice. got the. You got the spring game. You got the Kentucky Derby later. Going to be a ton of cool yeah. stuff happening that day. Yeah, that's a good day. It's a good sports day. Another um, thing that happened in the world of college sports, which I think bears some discussion, is the NCAA ended sure. the one-year transfer sit-out rule. So now players can transfer immediately in all the major sports without, without foregoing a season of eligibility or sitting out. That's is official, that official? Yeah. Really? Okay. I'm actually totally fine with that. I know you weren't. Well, I think it fan. hurts Rutgers a lot, uh, and it basically makes the sport, uh, you know, it gets us ever closer to a pro model. Because now players can basically yeah. leave without any any recourse whatsoever. Like a player can just say. Well, so, but but coach, coaches can, so why, why shouldn't players be able to? Well, I mean, that's another – I mean, I'm just talking about it from a from – a, a Rutgers competitive standpoint and also from just a continuity and culture building standpoint, if it's like a pro sport, you're not going to have the same ability to build culture and you're also not going right, to, right, and, and anytime fair. you have deep value, let's say you find a guy like Rutgers. This is what Rutgers does. We recruit guys that are under recruited and we hope that they develop. We hope that they become really good. And sometimes they do. Now all a player needs to do is have one season at Rutgers and then bam, he's got, you know the transfer market's open to him after his, his breakout year, and he can go to, he can go oh, to Tennessee, go to Alabama, yeah, go anywhere. That makes sense. Like Alabama can be like, "Hey, come here." Yeah, you're right. You're right. But likewise, too, you know, like an Alabama player can, you know, you can have a five star kid go there. You know, he's promised he was going to start or whatever, and then he doesn't end up starting, and you know, so then he decides, "Well, I'm going to go somewhere I can play." And he comes to a school like Rutgers, you know where he's going to play, you never, you know, but it, so it does go both ways, but I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, where, you layer on top of that, the comp, the being uh, compensated and, and all of a sudden you've got a real problem. If you're a Rutgers, a real problem. And it looks like that's going to go. It's, it looks like that's all going to happen at some point. It might not happen next season. It might not happen in, in the next three years, but players are going to start getting compensated uh, in some, in some manner. It seems like a uh, overwhelming support is on that side. So, you know, you layer that on top, and you're gonna have, you're gonna have the richer just gonna continue to get richer. I mean, there's there's a reason Alabama has has like positions within their football program that Rutgers doesn't even have. Like they had they had um, they hire guys to be like 
assistant to the head coach. And the guy they hire will be like an ex-head coach of a major program. And they have salary for that position. Yeah. They have like a million bucks they can throw at that role. We don't have anything like that right. at Rutgers. We don't, we're not even close to as resourced. Now, Alabama is one of the poorest states in the country, but they have enough, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the literacy rate and the, the, the you know, academics across the board are nowhere near, near, near New Jersey. I mean, child mortality, life, lifetime, ex- like expectancy, life expectancy, everything it pales in comparison to Jersey, but their athletic department program is off the charts, much, much higher than ours. So, I mean, how do you compete with that? You can't. Um... Right. I mean, I guess my point to you, Carl, is like, we weren't competing with it anyway. So I, I don't really know how much worse it can get. I'm I'm just down to see something new and see how it goes because we're light years away from schools like that anyway. Well, we're not so even like, in, if you were like, to stack rank different. schools by willingness to pay, we're not even in the top 50. We're probably not even in the top 60 or 70. We're not we're not close. Yeah. I mean, our, our alumni base is weak, weak um, compared to some of these other places, really weak. Uh, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's evidenced by people that we know who have bailed, bailed immediately, basically, after graduating um, and haven't come back. So, I mean, yeah, it's, right. it, it would be a, it would be a really tough road. Um, and we'll, we're going to see it. We're going to I mean, we're already seeing it with basketball, right? We're seeing our players go uh, and we're going to see it in football yeah. too. Yeah. So I will, let's, let's, you know, let's see how it all plays out. I could be just a cynic here, but I like, I yeah, like, I mean, I the, get it. I mean, like, there's a reason why the true dynasties of sport, they happened in times where you didn't have open movement of players like the Steelers of the seventies. That was before free agency really hit in the, in the NFL. Um, you know, the Yankees in baseball, that was before like collective bargaining and all that stuff. <laughs> Those guys were just like machines. UCLA in hoops, was you know there just wasn't the same level of of competition back then in college hoops so ucla won like 12 straight national championships the moment that things get flatter and you start to be able to like move pieces around and players um players in particular you know choose greener pastures on a whim uh things things start to get a little a little hairy so it but like, don't we not want dynasties? Like, we're not a like we're not a dynasty. We want more. Level this is not Brian. Games. This doesn't help us. It, it, I'm telling you, it doesn't. I mean, it, it it if you can explain to me how this helps us in a way that makes sense, I, I'd buy into it. But I I I don't see how this helps us. How a guy can go can basically say, okay, I'm done. I'm done for you know. Chiano's a program builder. You don't just like. You don't just like come into Shiano's program and start. You don't come into Shiano's program. He needs you for like several years. He needs to like take a guy who's putty um, and then create him into a great player over time. That deep value that he finds, you need time to do it. Um, Like Shiano's not going to be taking one-year phenoms um, into the program. Maybe he'll take some grad transfers like he did last year with to fill gaps like with Michael Dwumfor and stuff. Brendan White, those types, but we're not going to be t- we're not going to be doing the, the arms race. We're not. There's no way. Like, there's no way that that you know we're going to be vying for for transfers like uh, Justin. Who was it? Was it Justin Fields who transferred from Georgia? Like, we're not going to be in on those. Discussions. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I and listen. I don't totally disagree with you. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here for a little bit, but 
Um, I'm not, and I don't necessarily have a great argument for how it would help us other than what I said before. You know, maybe you get some four or five star players that, you know, thought they were going to start at Alabama or Texas or wherever. And then, right, so if they're not getting started at Texas, they're going to go to SMU or Texas Tech or Bale. They're not coming up. I mean, maybe not. Maybe a kid from Jersey that des- that would decide to go to Alabama because he was promised, you know, something that he didn't get. Maybe he's like, no, screw this. I made a mistake. I want to represent my home state. Shiano is building something. You know, I- I- I'm not exactly sure. All I'm saying is I don't really know how it hurts, it hurts us because, because we don't have the resources been... to compete at that level. We So you see this playing out in the way I see it playing out. It becomes an open market for players to- and they go to the highest bid. And we're not doing that. We can't. We we, we're never going to do that. Right. Right. I mean, I get that. Hopefully, but you've, but, but you've argued that you want that um, to happen, right? You want guys to be able to get. No, I hope it doesn't become like a like a. But it's going. Kind of that's game. how this will work. I don't, you can see it logically, right? I mean, just like everything else, it perverts the system. I mean, I guess I can see. I can. I can see how it would happen, but I can also, like I said, I mean, I've also made the argument that I can see a kid from New Jersey who knows that he's able to make money off his own likeness um, staying home because he can monetize himself. Uh, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying because he could probably monetize himself better as an Alabama player than he could as a Rutgers player. I get it. Whatever, Carl. I just see you this. Win. I just see this <laughs> ending. I see this changing the game. You know, there's, there's a lot of these semi-pro leagues in Europe they have what call it what are called feeder systems, and that's basically what the, the NCAA has been. But it's been a little bit more, I think, pure, and there's been a little bit more continuity, a little bit more opportunity for coaches to dominate the culture of their programs. Because yeah, it's true. Is is the disparity huge? Of course it is. The coaches are getting paid millions of dollars. The players are getting paid, you know, nothing. They're getting a scholarship, and that is a huge disparity that exists. But it also means that the coach can install. The coach has leverage. The coach can like install a culture, and the coach becomes the program, and the program becomes the coach, and that's what you know. That's what really college football was. Now it's it, it's already right. getting bad. I mean, Pike lost the team this year. Players totally had all the leverage, and now a lot of them are packing their bags and leaving. This is going to be a hallmark of college football now. Like players are going to have all the leverage. You, you you upset a kid, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. And he's gonna have plenty of suitors because yeah. you can play right away. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You would think they, there needs to be some. I mean, there needs to be like something in place to prevent that kind of thing from happening. But I don't know. I also, I just feel like coaches can leave and go wherever they want. Like, it's not it's not fair to a kid for a coach to recruit them and then you know you decide to go play for a certain coach and then he pieces out and you're stuck there holding the bag. You know that's not that's not fair either. So I'd like to find some some kind of way where you know kids aren't just like, oh, I don't like the way this guy spoke to me. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go play for their rival now. Um, you know, I I, I don't really think that's great. Uh, but I, I'd like to see, you know, something where it's more open than it was, but not as open as you're saying. So you got to kind of look, you know, you got to look down downstream and sort of think about how this all plays out and. I don't see how it doesn't yeah. play out in in a de- and we're going to have a free- we we already have it again not to belabor the point I don't think everyone our listeners fully appreciate this we have a free agency pool now it's called the freaking transfer portal I mean you have these players that are just sitting yeah. there 
I mean, waiting to get seduced. We've been record. We've been uh, recu- recruiting this kid to the basketball team named Polly Polycap for like a month. Um, and he's. This is going to be his. Listen to this. This is his seventh year in college. It's going to be his seventh year in college, and he's played for four teams already. I mean, when's his dissertation? Right. I mean, it's like insane. Like that's not. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm not like to- I'm not one of those curmudgeons that says, "Oh, got to be a student athlete," but you got to at least. I think we got to at least pretend, right? Like it's got to be like somewhat of a student athlete situation. Like that's that to me is an egregious example, but it's like weird. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel quite right. Right. All right. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Um... I uh, I just wanted before we wrap up. I don't know if you've other stuff you wanted to bring up, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners uh, over in Michigan, Kevin Moore, a kid I went to high school with. He's now coaching uh, hockey out there. He played goalie at UMass, and I don't know if you watched. The, oh, they won uh, the they won the national champion tournament, but I sure. Yeah, they won yeah. their first national championship. So my buddy uh, officially is an alumni of a program of a national championship program. So congratulations to the UMass Minutemen. Congratulations, Kevin Moore. Um, you know, I just wanted to to shout that out real quick. I was watching the games and rooting for him. Um, awesome, awesome run. They absolutely dominated the championship. So they won the semifinal game with out their starting goalie and their best player who. Uh, they had the contract contact tracing due to COVID. So they had to miss the final four, the frozen four game to get to the finals, uh, which they ended up winning in overtime against, uh, I think they played Minnesota state or something. And then, or Minnesota Duluth, it was against Duluth, I think. And then in the final, they played St. Cloud state and won five zip absolute domination. So that, is that awesome. was really cool. It's amazing. How happy good the hockey for, uh, is in the Boston area. Point. It's like unbelievable to think about it. You have BC, you UMass, I mean, yeah, unreal. Yeah, yeah, you and UMass. I mean, that, it was awesome to see it because they they are a program that they've had some really. It's nice to see. I always love watching a, a team, a professional team, or a pro a, a program college program win their first national championship because it's just there's nothing like your first one. And UMass is a team that they've been, you know, ten years ago they were they were. They, were well, they, they, they didn't, they didn't exist they, they, you know, until like they, the I, '90s, right? I mean, the the program hasn't been a D1 program for that long. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how old the program is. I just know. I think like they had like a five win season, like within the last like 10, 15 years, and they were able to turn that around and win the national championship. So it gives hope to guys like me as a Rutgers fan. I'm like, listen, if that if that team. When, you know, can go from a five-win team to national t- champions in ten years. Like, why okay, can't I'm we? Wrong you know? about I know that's a cr- I know that's a crazy thought, but well, and maybe we just outlined why they've been around a long time. Now, actually, I was we'll wrong see. about this, but I think they made a lot of investment in this Greg Carville area era. I think that's when they really decided they were going to get to like the next level. And yeah, their coach. I li- I actually listened to an interview with their coach, and he's an intense guy. He seems to be on top of his stuff, and he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, good for them. Um, I don't know if you have anything else uh, on the docket for tonight. What else is going on here? Good. How's going I mean, we got uh, we got spring is sprung now, which is fantastic. We've got uh, yeah, we've got we've got sports are in full bloom and baseballs in full bloom, which is nice. 
really that's it i mean i mean it's pretty yeah. much keep on keeping on i mean we're we're week what is it were we 62 of the the two week plan to flatten the curve so that's cool how many more to go <laughs> anybody's guess um yep. yeah it'd be nice to you know it's it's really interesting i just got a a rangers advert on my phone um before we had this chat and the advert says and i quote get out of your house and come home and has a rangers logo it's like wow that's some bold marketing and it's funny i was talking to um i was talking to this pizza place right by me the owner of this pizza place i asked him how the, his business has done during covid and he said i've been here 40 years and this is the worst period in my business's history, I've, I've made no money during this period. I had to basically go to my war chest to stay open. You see the guys, you know, both sides of me are out of business. And he said, the only reason I'm still in business is I'm a stubborn SOB. Like I'm so, I'm so stubborn. I don't want to see this thing beat me. Um, and I want to get past it. But he said the biggest challenge today for him as a business owner is that the, the people that were, were basically buying from him throughout this, are the same people today that they were when this thing started. He said there's a huge percentage of folks that are still not leaving their houses. Um, and when he delivers pizza and stuff to them, they don't even want the delivery guys ringing the doorbell. Like they, they don't even touch the doorbell. Yeah. Like, well, what do I do with the pizza? Then? Yeah. And they're like, just leave it on the front stoop. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, these people are genuinely yeah. terrified. And that's not changing. That's not changing any time soon. So, I mean, until that happens, um, we're not going to get back to a, no to a normal state. But other, other than that, you know, doing well. <laughs> Great pick. Me yeah, up it's just interesting, there. though, like that people <laughs> yeah. are still that scared. They don't want you touching the doorbell, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm somebody who's had to go to work the entire time. Um, so, yeah, I've, I mean... I'm not. I'm not that person. So hopefully everyone gets their shots and uh, you know gets out there soon. Um, it's a beautiful world out there. Shots. And, the, uh, like to not start... to scare anybody. Got my first one. Good lord. The the freaking the next two days were terrible. Not looking forward to the second. Did you get one. Pfizer? I got Moderna. What'd you get? Yeah, Pfizer. Uh, I felt. I didn't. I, I mean, I felt fine. I literally. Well, it's interesting because I, I mine was so wow, the exact opposite of that. I had like a little bit of the halo effect where I felt yeah pretty good right after it, but the next day, yeah, I had terrible headache, um, uh, muscle pain, muscle um, aches and pains. Then I had a fever that night. Um, I think my immune system is very sensitive to these types of things um, because, in general, I like I, I get sick from the flu shot too. So. Pretty much. So you're basically just soft. Says, and ironically, my whole family had COVID soft. and they had no symptoms. So I'm the only one who has, has had symptoms, I'm the, and I'm the only one that's been vaccinated. So you know, makes sense of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Makes no sense. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for this week. Um, anyone who missed out on last week's episode, it was only available on Spotify. We tried to do something new with the uh, uh, music. Uh, we added some music at the end. Uh, a little Bruce Springsteen Jersey Touch 
Um, but apparently, if you use music like that, it's only available on Spotify due to rights issues. So not going to have that at the end of the episode this week uh, because I'd like to have it available on Apple and everything else. So if you hear this and you want to you know, listen to last week's episode, go over to Spotify. It's on Spotify. And then uh, hopefully this one is on all including the, all Alexa, that platforms. gorgeous lady. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week. Um, in, I, I, I guess, guess. only only if you want see to see you guys then. <laughs> but actually, but actually, don't. All right, we'll see you. <laughs> Peace, Jersey. Lovely accent, New Jersey.